Hello, and welcome back to the Way of Keys podcast. I am your host, Alexander Hermstad, and today we're going to be diving back into Rudolf Steiner's work called The Occult Basis of Music, which I was reading from last week. But before I do that, I just want to speak a little bit on what I'm doing here again, because some of this information is so abstract and esoteric. And as I read it, sometimes I'm like, I don't understand this. What is the point of this information? Sometimes it just feels like I'm reading a fantasy novel or something, just in how kind of bizarre and and foreign this stuff is. But other times I, I read it and I get struck with this deep resonance and I'm like, okay, this is some real stuff. You know, this is, this is real. And so I have to remind myself that the reason I'm doing this is because I've had musical experiences that felt spiritual in nature. And what I've come to realize is that I've used music as a tool of initiation into the occult world. These experiences, similar to psychedelic experiences, demonstrated to me that there was another unseen world out there kind of lurking right beneath the surface of perception. And my quest in reading this material, which is is just so weird sometimes. It's so foreign, some of this stuff. I may, Maybe it's just Rudolf Steiner. I've heard he's difficult to read. He's, he's uh, very dense at times. And so maybe I'm brushing up against some of that. I think I'm also just I, you know, I've never read any of his work before. I'm new to this anthroposophy world. And so maybe maybe there's something going on there where I'm just, all of these terms are new to me, these, these different vocabularies. But I have to remind myself that the reason I'm doing this is I want to understand how music can be used as a tool for spiritual initiation. And I want to understand if this information can be integrated with uh, music education as we see it today. And I, I, my understanding, I haven't read these books yet, but my understanding is that this is already going on and there's people doing this. It would be, I should find out if I can get in contact with some of these people and and have a conversation because reading this material uh, in isolation has been difficult because I just have trouble attaching it to things that I understand. It's, It's just all, it's all very foreign. So Leading up to this point, I've had a lot of breadcrumbs that, that have got me here, and I, I have to remind myself of that. I want to tell a quick story about one of those breadcrumbs 
that led me here. So months ago, I stumbled upon this book called Sacred Sounds. And the way that it came to me was my mom was at an estate sale and she picked up this book and said, hey, I think you might like this. This looks like something up your alley. And around that time, right before she gave me this book, I was pondering these questions of music and spirituality and, you know, what is the connection between these? When I did research online, trying to look into this, I really didn't find much. I stumbled on Schopenhauer's philosophy, which I talked about in the last episode. But other than that, I didn't find much connecting these worlds of music and the occult or spirituality or or whatever, esoteric. So I was pondering this. And then right around that time, my mom came to me and she's like, hey, I got this book at this estate sale. And this book sort of answered a lot of these questions that I that I had and and gave me a real clue that yeah um, this stuff is real and music has been used as a tool in mystery schools uh, as a tool of initiation and it really confirmed a lot of these intuitions that I had and I read the book and it, it was very interesting and it it really opened my mind a lot and affirmed a lot of the things that I was, that I had a hunch about. Uh, but it was, it was very uh, surface level, I felt, and it was kind of written as a primer or something like that. And, but that was my first real breadcrumb. I, I guess before that, my, my first breadcrumb was meeting my piano teacher who while he he doesn't have this vocabulary, he's not talking about it in terms of esoteric, whatever. He just himself is a very spiritual guy. And that way of seeing bled into his music and, and really opened my mind to that. So I'm just going to read a quick passage from this uh, Sacred Sounds by Ted Andrews. Modern society views music in two ways as an art form, and as a commercial product. Music needs to be considered in a third way, as a power of universal force. It is a force that was treated with great respect in ancient times. They recognized that the physical emission of sound was an outer and audible agency of the inner transformation. They recognized that music was a relationship of one tone to another, and that all life was the relationship of one individual to another. So this passage really speaks to me because I feel that music, I get the sense that it is this metaphor for our existence, and it represents our experience here in in this packaged way. And it demonstrates some of these laws, uh, like in this, like the passage said there at the end, how each tone is related to another and that 
all life is the relationship of one individual to another. And so I feel that music demonstrates some of these, these universal properties of life and, uh, and our experience in it. So, yeah. So all that being said, I am just speaking to myself here and I'm, I'm reaffirming to myself that I'm, I'm going in, in some correct direction with this. It feels very foreign because there's not a lot out there talking about music like this. And, you know, I, I read this quote the other day, writing about music is like dancing about architecture. And that's how it feels talking about it and, and reading these books sometimes. It's like, am I supposed am I supposed to be doing this? Does it make sense to try to use words to describe this? Am I getting anywhere by doing this? And, you know, who knows? Maybe I, I read all these books and I, I ex- take these explorations and I get dead ends. You know, that's possible. But I feel that it's important for me to give it a try because I feel like I'm being led in this direction. So let's see where it leads me. All right, with that being said, let's dive into the material for today, the occult basis of music. Okay, so last week in the first part of this, Steiner was speaking about, first about Schopenhauer's philosophy around music and how that it's, a, it's an expression of the universal will and how music is different from the other arts in that whereas the other arts are imitations of the will or, you know, recreations of the will, music is a direct expression of the will acting through you. So it's, you're the closest to this, this will, which is like the will of nature or the, the, just the will of, of God. And then he went on to speak about where music comes from and how there's this higher realm that's, that's higher than the astral realm, which is where we go when we dream and when we use our imagination it's higher than the astral realm and it's called the devachanic realm and in the devachanic realm the fundamental properties of existence there are of tone and we go there when we are in a deep sleep we are when we are in a dreamless sleep and we go there and we are imprinted by these tones and and the beings there which are made up of tones and when we come back into the physical when we hear a piece of music that that resounds with us that that we really resonate with or when we're creating music the source of all these this these musical entities was originally in this devachanic spirit home world so that's uh, that's what we covered last week, and and so now Steiner is going to go on, and he's going to talk about how music affects us. We we know where it affects us, um, but but how does this happen? 
Okay, so this is where we get into some anthroposophic terms. So this is a little uh, little wordy here, but I think it'll make sense as we go through. All right. So Steiner writes, man has his physical body and an etheric model for it, the ether body. Connected with his ether body is the sentient body, which is a step towards the astral. Inwardly bound up with him, as though membered into him, is the sentient soul. Just as a sword and its scabbard form a single whole, so do the sentient soul and the sentient body. Man also has the intellectual soul, and as still higher member, the spiritual soul, which is linked with the spirit self, or manas. In completely dreamless sleep, the higher members, and so also the sentient soul, are in the devachanic world. This is not like the physical realm where everything we see and hear is outside ourselves. The beings of Devachan interpenetrate us, and we are within everything that exists there. In occult schools, accordingly, this Devachanic astral realm is called the world of interpenetrability. Man is played through by its music. There's a lot of terms there. There's, there's a lot of hierarchies of bodies and souls. And we're just going to move on from that. Basically, I think all we need to know here is that there's, there's this hierarchy of, of your body and your souls. And so at the very base, there's the physical body. And then you have the etheric body, which I think is kind of like your your chakras and stuff like that. It's like your your energetic interface between your physical and the spiritual. And then you have the sentient soul and the sentient body, which is above the etheric body. And then you have the intellectual soul and the spiritual soul, which are the top of the hierarchy of spiritual bodies. And those are the ones that go to Devachan. Okay, so when he returns from this Devachanic world, his sentient soul, his intellectual soul, and his spiritual soul are permeated with its rhythms. He carries them down into his denser bodies. He is thus able to work from out of his intellectual soul and his sentient soul onto his ether body and to carry the rhythms into it. As a seal stamps itself on the wax, so the astral body imprints the devachanic rhythms on the ether body until the ether body vibrates in harmony with them. Ether body and astral body bear witness in their own being to the spiritual tones and rhythms. The ether body is lower than the astral body, but in activity, it is superior. What I'm getting from this is these higher souls go up to Devachan, get the rhythms imprinted onto them and kind of bring them, it, it funnels all the way back down to the ether body and then into the, the physical Okay, so from out of his ego, man works on his bodies insofar as he transmutes the astral body into manas, 
the ether body into buddhi, the physical body into atma. Since the astral body is the most tenuous, the transmutation of it calls for the least strength. Man can work on his astral body with forces drawn from the astral world, but to work on his etheric body, he has to call on forces from the Devachanic world. And for working on his physical body, he needs forces from the higher Devachanic world. During the night, he draws from the world of flowing tones the strength to carry them over into his sentient body and his etheric body. Although on waking in the morning, he is not conscious of having absorbed this music of the night, yet on listening, he has an inkling that these impressions of the spiritual world are within him. So that's essentially what I was saying earlier, just about how this music gets funneled through all these different bodies, and by the time it gets into our etheric body and then into our physical body, we don't have like a conscious remembrance of what happened, but we are vibrating in regards to those those tones. And so they are with us even if we don't consciously know how they got there or or what they are, but they are they are there. And when we engage with music in the physical that activates within us and we get an emotional reaction. And he writes, when a man listens to music, the seer can observe how the rhythms and colors flow into and lay hold of the firmer substance of the ether body, causing it to vibrate in tune with them. And from the harmonious response of the ether body comes the pleasure that is felt. The more strongly the astral body resounds, the more strongly do its tones echo in the ether body, overcoming the ether body's own natural rhythms. And this gives feelings of pleasure both to a listener and to a composer. In certain cases, the harmonies of the astral body penetrate to some extent into the sentient body, and a conflict then arises between the sentient body and the ether body. If the tones set up in the sentient body are so strong they master the tones of the ether body, the result is cheerful music in a major key. A minor key indicates that the ether body has prevailed over the sentient body, and the painful feeling that ensues gives rise to the most serious melodies. So that's interesting. I have always wondered... And it it has always struck me as so strange how we have major and minor in our music. Like, why does this chord sound objectively kind of happier and this one sounds more sad? Like, that just always struck me as very bizarre. No one has an answer for it. They're like, it just does. It's just, that's the property of the thing. And that's just accepted as a given. This is major, this is minor. And so it's interesting to read that because, so what he's saying is, if the tones in the sentient body master the tones of the ether body, so that's the the higher spiritual mastering the the lower body, the ether body, then you get a major. And then 
flipped in the minor case. So it's interesting. It doesn't fully answer the question of major and minor, but it gives a, a clue. And in the later lectures, he does go into more how the major and minor are distinguished. But that's a that's an interesting starting point. Okay, so, all right. So when someone lives in the experience of music, he is living in the image of his spiritual home. It naturally elevates the soul to feel this intimate relationship to its primal ground. And that is why the simplest souls are so receptive to music. A man then feels truly at home, and whenever he is lifted up through music, he says to himself, yes, you come from outer worlds, and in music you can experience your native place. It was an intuitive knowledge of this that led Schopenhauer to assign to music a central place among the arts, and to say that the composer discerns with his spiritual ear the pulse beats of the will. In music, man feels the echo of the inmost life of things, a life related to his own. Because feelings are the most inward part of the soul, and because they are related to the spiritual world and indwelt by musical sound, that is why man, when he listens to music, lives in the pleasure of feeling himself in harmony with its tones and in touch with the true home of the spirit. So I really resonate with a lot of that. Um, and that, that I feel is really one of the first things that I've read from Steiner that really spoke to my experiences that I'm, that I'm trying to figure out, which is it felt like when I, when I had these, these musical mystical experiences, there was a sense that I consciously was not aware that I had this within me, but then there's this simultaneous feeling of this is who I really am in a really deep sense but I wasn't aware of it. And it's this, this communion with, with your soul. Yeah. He says to himself, yes, you come from other worlds and in music, you can experience your native place. And that's, that's kind of, that's where I see music as an initiator into this occult journey into this, uh, the spiritual journey, because you get to glimpse yourself you get you get to glimpse these these other worlds and um, in, in a way that psychedelics can kind of give you that as well, but it's more of your own creation and of your own being, and it feels more internal. Even though you might use an instrument to do that, but hey, with your voice, if you're using your voice, then it's a completely internal process. So that's why I think it's important to dive into this stuff and to uh, to build this vocabulary and perspective around what's really going on when we engage with music and where does music really come from. So that, that's the end of that lecture, the occult basis of music. You can take a look at that 
on the link that I'll put in the description. And that's going to be where I end the podcast as well. Thank you for listening. You know, at this point, like I'm not promoting this podcast at all because like I, I'm really using this, this podcast and using these, these recording sessions as a way for myself to explore these ideas and, um, and just get, get my, get my thoughts out. And so if you're listening to this, well, you're probably a friend or or a family member and, you know, I, I appreciate you listening and that's great, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really doing this at this point, just exploring these ideas. I think as I continue down this path and as I build my understanding around these ideas, I think it's going to get interesting. Uh, right now I'm at the stage where I'm just kind of stumbling around in the dark with a lot of this stuff, but I don't think I'm going to be there forever. I'm excited to keep on stumbling and see what else I find. So yeah, uh, thanks for listening to the Way of Keys podcast, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.